Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans-denominational podcast. All are welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. My name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained licensed minister with the Fellowship of Celtic Catholic Churches International, founder and director of the Oblix Perpetual Light, a life coach, intuitive healer, and Kabbalist. I firmly believe this divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we'll explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Shalom, shalom, and welcome to the Fifth and More podcast, everyone. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah, it's it's Rabbi Someone. I haven't figured out what to name that character yet, but anyway, it seemed like the last time I had uh, used that uh, impression, people really liked it, so I brought, brought the old rabbi back for just a minute because it has a lot to do with the show. Uh, or I should say this show and the following show. Yes, this is going to be uh, a two-part show, but please don't get all panties in a bunch and upset because this is not going to be like the uh, Mother Irene triple play uh, or St. Faustina triple play that uh, people love or people hate. There's no one in between. Either they love it or they hate it. Uh, this is not going to be that way. So what we're going to be talking about today is angels and demons. And then as we go through the show, I will expand and share more on what next week's show is going to be about. It's going to be a continuation of this show, not a two-parter per se, uh, but a continuation. <laughs> Did any of that make any sense? I was just I don't know. I was just scooting my butt around in circles on the floor. I, I hope that made sense, everyone. So those of you who have listened to the recent book nook or most recent, oh, did I say book nook? Excuse me, Faith and More Cafe. It's going to take a bit to get used to it, isn't it? Uh, but uh, I had mentioned in there that I was studying and taking a course um, on the Kabbalah. And I've recently graduated from that course. And although it was a challenge, um, that Kabbalah is, for those of you who are already familiar with Kabbalah, know that it's a very uh, deep, esoteric, um, mystical um, study. It's, it is really, I don't want to say complicated. I'll say complex there. That's, that's the word. It's very complex, but it's, oh my goodness, so fascinating and so logical. And, um, it just like bypasses the filters in your mind and goes right to opening up your heart, which all of us need. And I'll be doing a show. Uh, on Kabbalah not too far down the road, as well as some other things related to Kabbalah, because now, yeah, it's it's a part of me and a part of my uh, practices. And no, it's it's not a religion, folks, for those who 
are saying I've turned my back on Christianity. No, it's not. It's uh, a lot of people say that it's an ancient um, Jewish or Judaic uh, faith, but it's not. Uh, it's actually, you know, yes, it was practiced by uh, the Jews forever, literally, you know, since the beginning of time. Uh, but it predates the Jews. It predates religion. It goes with any religion because it's not a religion. It's a way of life. Yeah, a lot like Buddhism is. For those of you who are Buddhist, know that Buddhism is not a religion. It is a way of life. And it does not contradict or go against anything that your current religion is. In fact, it reinforces it, it strengthens it, and it helps you get deeper into your faith, your religion, whatever it is or isn't, and helps you become closer uh, with the Creator. So some of you might say, well, long-time listeners might say, well, we did a show on angels. Yes, we did. It was season three, episode five for those playing at home called Angels, Angels, and More Angels. Well, can you believe there's more angels? <laughs> so this show is going to be kind of a deep dive into, um, into angels and demons. Uh, no, it's not going to be heretical and it's not satanic and none of that stuff, but you can't serve one without the other. For every yin, there's a yang. For every positive, there's a negative. So um, to do this right this time, before it was just kind of a uh, something to wet your whistle, just to get you, um, it was an introductory to angels. Uh, this is going to go a lot deeper, and this is from my, um, my Kabbalistic studies. Um, I won't be able to share any of the materials that I'll be reading from, uh, but I do have an article that I will be uh, sharing for the second uh, part of this show uh, that is free, that everyone can look at, that kind of goes over what we're going over here and uh, more so what we're going to be covering in the, in the next show. So what are angels? Angels, also known as malach or malachim in, uh, in Hebrew, are supernatural beings that are categorized in different hierarchies. They act as messengers of the creator and send information, feelings between humanity and the creator. They are intermediaries between the upper worlds and earth and oversee everything that occurs on earth. Angels were created before the earth was made. When the creator said, let there be light, they were used in the creation of man and are envious of man's free will. Not all angels thought that humans should be part of creation. There are both good and bad angels. Fallen angels are negative messengers rather than evil beings. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Fallen angels are negative messengers rather than evil beings, okay? They are not physical in nature, but spiritual beings and should not be worshipped. Um, angels are not material beings, but are likened to a single emotion, feeling, or material controlled by the Creator for His purpose, or I should say its purpose, of creation. 
They have no fixed form or appearance, although it's common to depict them as people with wings and wearing long robes. Angels are seen in accordance with the perceptions of the person seeing them. And so accounts of angels are from the viewpoint of the person that received the vision. And we hear about this all the time when we spoke about it back in that show. Uh, again, that was season three, episode five. We talked about that then as far as, you know, people who see angels and they see them differently. You know, there's that guy that helped you on the side of the road when you were stranded in the middle of nowhere with a flat tire or your car was broken down or you were stranded and, you know, someone picked you up and, and, and uh, gave you a ride somewhere. But then they just vanished. They just disappeared. Or, you know, you were having a very, very bad time and you're driving and you're distraught and you're, you know, contemplating on, you know, ending your life and you see a hitchhiker and you're like, oh, I don't care, you know. So you pick the person up and as you're driving that person to their destination, they make you feel so much better and they heal you, literally heal you. And when you drop them off, they just vanish. I mean, they go wherever they go. And then, you know, people have always have gone back like, you know, it's such big urban legend uh, stories about that. You have know, picking up a hitchhiker, taking them to a diner and dropping them off. And then the person going, you know what? I wonder how that person is and goes back to the diner and says, hey, you know, um, I'm looking for so and so such and such and giving a description of that person. And, you know, either the person at the diner that's worked there forever doesn't know who you're talking about or says, we get this all the time. There is no such person that comes in here, but people constantly say they're being dropped off. These are what angels are. They take, again, they take on an appearance that we not only can understand and see, but that we're comfortable with. Because of course, if they burst into um, and on you with seven wings and eyeballs all over them, you would, well, I know I would, have a heart attack. <laughs> so what they would be setting out to do would not be what their end game would be. <laughs> so angels are manifestations of specific impulses. Each is a spiritual reality within its own unique content, qualities, and characteristics it's easiest to view them as forces of energy. Spiritual deeds and acts of sharing create an affinity with the positive aspect of energy, drawing positive angels to us. However, negative actions attract the force of destructive angels to us. Good and bad fortune is not thrust on us. We are directly responsible for the angels in our lives and which angels make contact with us. Angels have no free will of their own. They are drawn to us by a type of energy that emanates from our words and our deeds. So that I found very fascinating, and it made incredible sense that like attracts like. If we're in a positive, upbeat mood and thinking positive and loving and helping, then we attract that. We attract that energy, which means we attract those types of angels. Uh, but when we're negative, we're hateful, um, we're throwing a fit or a tantrum, uh, or we're abusing others verbally, physically, whatever, uh, or doing someone harm, that's attracting the negative energy. And as we know, 
like attracts like 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 feeds like so positive feeds positive negative feeds negative but again we have to remember we have the free will they don't so we're like a battery charging so if we're negative in negative mode we're attracting negative energy and we're using them as fuel for our negativity the same applies to the positive if we're a positive we're attracting positive energy that's fueling our positiveness okay so archangels are the ruling angels they are directly associated with the creator each of the sephirot is associated with a type of angel and is overseen by a particular archangel so the sephirot is uh, a representation of 10 spheres um, in the uh, Kabbalah tree of life that's also associated with the hierarchy between us and the Creator. The Zohar says that the Creator sent Archangel Raziel with a book for Adam, which described 72 kinds of knowledge, virtue, and power, each of which was associated with its own angel. So the Zohar is an ancient text um, um, associated with Kabbalah, and Kabbalists refer to that. Um, it is it has the Torah in it. It has um, all kinds of uh, the Talmud. It's got different things in it from um, from the Jewish um, faith, but it's again not Jewish. It's all-encompassing. It's trans-denominational, literally. So there are 72 angels that are recorded um, in the Zohar, and I'm currently studying the Zohar now, and that's like one of those books that you'll be studying for the rest of your life, and then a couple lives afterwards if you're, if you're fortunate. So next week's show is going to be about the 72 angels. So I'm going to get into more detail about the 72 angels in next week's show. But this week's show, I want to, you know, cover the other angels, you know, the ones that we're most familiar with or may not be familiar with, as well as demons that we may be familiar with and may not be familiar with. So the supreme order of angels is the highest type of angels. They are responsible for holding up the creator's throne and holding earth in its proper position in space. They emanate such powerful light that they are often appear fiery. And I know some of you are going to say, if you listen to that show back in season three, you're going to say, well, this sounds familiar. Yes, but this goes into a lot more detail. They emanate such powerful light that they often appear to be made of fire. The light represents the fire of their passion for the Creator and how they reflect His glory. They are the heavenly beings described in the prophet Ezekiel's vision of the heavenly chariot in the book of Ezekiel and also appear in the chariot literature in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. The chariot act as a metaphysical excuse me, metaphorical chariots carrying the divine creative energy to people who are seeking to learn more about the creator. They give spiritual tests to believers whose souls are touring heaven and guard the metaphorical gates that separate the different parts of heaven. When believers pass their test, they open the gates to the next level of learning. So you notice it said metaphorical in there uh, several times, which means to be 
not to be taken literally as it's being described because for different people, for different souls, it looks different. It's experienced different. But this is just to give you a general idea of, of the setup and, and how things go when you say you go to heaven or you get into that, you know, creator spark that's in your heart and you open that up and you connect with those angels to, as we've been talking about, download more information to help you grow in your spirituality and in your faith and to help others, because that is our goal, is to learn and to help, to learn and to put into practice. The famous four creatures that the prophet Ezekiel described are of exotic beings with faces like humans, lions, oxen, and eagles are believed to be part of this group. They are led by the archangel Metatron. The Ophimim, or excuse me, Ophanim, um, which is wheels, spheres, whirlwinds, and fiery flame, or are or also known as angels of the whirling forces, never sleep because they're constantly guarding the Creator's throne in heaven. They are related to the wheels due to Torah's description of them in Ezekiel's, or excuse me, in Ezekiel as having their spirit encased inside wheels that moved along with them wherever they went. The late second book of Enoch referred to them as the many-eyed ones. So how many of you are familiar with what a gyro looks like? A gyro um, is like a gyro is part of a compass that's in an airplane that helps keep it uh, straight no matter if the plane is upside down, right side up, going left or right. It keeps it at, at uh, the right attitude. So... I have seen a lot of depictions of these types of angels of the Ophanim as um, these, they look like gyros, like a wheel within wheel within wheel, like metal wheels inside each other. And they're constantly spinning, but there's tons of eyes inside them as well. And that's what I've seen artistic renditions of them. But again, that's just a metaphorical description you know, that's just one person's vision, Ezekiel's vision of what they look like. Um, you know, like I said, you know, Ezekiel's seen them one way and Enoch's seen them a different way. So, you know, we will see them differently as well. Okay, so this group of angels is led by the archangel Raziel, R-A-Z-I-E-L. Uh, next are the Bana or Elorim, Alarim, excuse me. Uh, are also known as strong and mighty ones. These are agents of earthly justice and are known for their courage and understanding. They are led by Archangel Zaphiel. Next is the Chesed um, or Hashmilim. They are brilliant ones. They're known for their love, kindness, and grace. They have been described as wearing long gowns that reach to their feet hitched with a golden belt and adorned with a green sole. They carry a golden staff in the right hand and the seal of the Creator in the left. They are led by Archangel Zadkiel. Next are the Govura, and the Govura are the seraphim, or flaming ones, and they're known for their works for justice. They are associated with the color white and are said to form continuous rings around the throne of the Creator, in the great central sun, while continuously singing, holy, 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 
God Almighty. They have six wings, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and two used for flying. Again, this is all metaphorically speaking. I guess they didn't put their makeup on, so they're covering their face, and they have an issue about their feet being exposed, and they don't have sandals, so they're covering their eyes. I don't know. <laughs> Insert whatever description you would like. Traditionally, they are the highest rank in Christian angelology. I had never heard of that word before now or before the study of this. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm, I work in angelology. <laughs> although, although the fifth rank in the Jewish angelic hierarchy, their name derives from the fiery imagery often associated with the presence of the creator. They are led by the archangel Shamuel, also known as Samuel. Next are the Tepherit Malachim. The Malachim are described as brilliant and shining ones and are usually represented in a group. In Christianity, they are known to be angels of miracles, encouragement, and blessings, bestowing grace and helping people who struggle with their faith. They are led by the archangel Raphael. And Raphael, or Raphael, however you want to pronounce it, is also known for healing. Um, a lot of people, I know Haven, that's one of her favorite archangels is Raphael, uh, calls upon that angel quite often for healing for others. So some of you might be scratching your head saying, man, you lost me a couple of uh, categories ago. What, what, are we, what are we doing? I'm giving you the different categories, different groupings of angels. So when we get to the 72 angels, you'll have a kind of a familiarity with what group they're from and in, in, in what their significance is, if that makes any sense. Believe me, it will. <laughs> Once we get finished, it'll make sense. Hang in there. Hang in there. You're doing good. Next are the Netzach, the Elohim or Elohim, godly beings, principalities, or also known as the choir of principles, are known for their commitment to the victory of good over evil. It is said that the angel who helped David slay Goliath was from this order. They have been described as being dressed in soldiers' uniforms with golden girdles. Goidles. <laughs> they are led by the archangel Haniel, H-A-N-I-E-L. Next is Had, Beni Elohim, uh, the Bini Elohim, or also known as the sons of God, focus their work on giving glory to the Creator and praising Him. They bring God's messages and command the armies of heaven against the evil doings of the fallen angels. They are led by the Archangel Michael. Next is Yasad, also known as the Cherubim. These are the archangels of humanity. They are known for their work helping people deal with sin that separates them from the Creator. And the cherubim are the most um, active with us as human beings. The cherubim guard over sacred things, including the Ark of the Covenant. They are the guardians of the East Gate of the Garden of Eden, where they stand with flaming swords to guard the Tree of Life. They minister to us in every aspect of life and include our guardian angels. So our guardian angels are cherubim, not the chubby babies. <laughs> we talked about that last time. They are also known as record keepers. In the book of Ezekiel, the cherub is depicted as having a number of wing pairs 
and four faces, that of a lion and an ox, a human, and of an eagle. So they're representing wild animals, domestic animals, humanity, and voids. <laughs> their legs were straight, and their soles of their feet, like the hooves of a bull, gleaming like polished breasts. See, now maybe you might want to think of them as a cute little chubby baby because with wings, because, yeah, wings that can't carry the chubby baby. Because uh, if you thought of this, it might scare the tar out of you. In Western Christian tradition, cherubim have become associated with the puto, resulting in depictions of cherubim as small, plump, winged babies. They are led by Archangel Gabriel. Next is the Malakut, also the Isham. The Isham are personalities, individuals, fires, flames, sparks, also known as blessed souls of the just made perfect are the closest to the affairs of mortals. They are composed of fire and snow and are described as the beautiful souls of just people who reside in the fifth heaven. They exist primarily to extol and praise the glory of the Creator. They are led by the archangel Sandolphin, also known as Azazel, Saphania, and Metatron. Okay, so sorry for the interruption, but Spirit just tapped me and said I need to explain a little bit more, especially to our Christian listeners, as to why I'm talking about all this and um, especially who cares about the 72 different angel. What does that have to do with me? Well, when I get to the 72 angels, I will be sharing with you how you can call upon them. There are psalm, an individual psalm, for each angel, each of those 72 angels that you can call upon them for help. So if you're interested in that, which I highly am interested in it, and I think most of you would, if not, it'd be interesting just to have in your toolbox uh, to refer to. So now we get into the big guns, the, the archangels themselves. We have Archangel Metatron and this is this angel of life or presence who directs the creator's living energy throughout the universe. Metatron connects humanity on earth with the divine energy of the creator and helps people incorporate the sacred energy into their lives. Metatron also brings spiritual balance to all parts of creation and helps people achieve spiritual enlightenment. Metatron presides over all the other archangels and guards the divine throne. He records good deeds and serves the divine Merkaba, which is the chariot. He is the twin brother of Archangel Sandolphin. Metatron lived as a human man, the prophet Enoch. And while he was still Enoch and arrived in heaven, he was transformed into a spirit of fire and given 36 pairs of wings along with innumerable eyes. Metatron is also the angel who led the children of Israel through the wilderness after Moses took them out of Egypt. So show of hands, how many of you have heard of the uh, archangel Metatron? Now, I know those of you in nature faiths know Metatron forward and backward, but for Christians, how many of you have heard of Metatron? I'm sure many of you haven't. And this is the archangel of archangels. Now, when we think of the highest archangel, what's the first one that pops into our head? St. Michael, right? Michael the archangel, right? No, he's, not, he's not the highest one. 
He's the most well-known, yes, I'll give you that, but he's not the one in the hierarchy. So here we have Metatron, who is the prophet Enoch. That's just, that is super cool. For those of you who are studying your Bible, Christians who are studying your Bible, I hope that you are, look this up. Go back to the book of Enoch, or, well, yeah, that's that's the Gnostics, excuse me. Go back to um you know, Enoch in the Bible and, and look at that and then read it from the perspective of Enoch being an archangel and see what you get from that then. Just, I bet it would be mind-blowing. So those of you who are wanting to look it up, uh, New Testament, Enoch is mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, the Epistle to the Hebrews, and the Epistle of Jude. Again, for those playing at home. Uh, Metatron resides in the seventh heaven alongside the creator. He governs the tree of life and teachings of Kabbalah. Next, we have Archangel Raziel, R-A-Z-I-E-L, which means secret of God, is the angel of mysteries who reveals divine mysteries to people to help them become wiser by showing people how to incorporate their knowledge into their lives in practical ways. Raziel helps people reach their full potential. Heavens to be, isn't that something we all need? I mean, definitely. I mean, that is like the archangel number one <laughs> on my list is, is, is to help become wiser and to help us incorporate that wisdom um, into our lives in practical ways that we can help not just ourselves, but everyone. The book of Raziel, the angel, relates his interaction with Adam out of Eden. Adam prays and apologizes to the creator for betraying his trust by eating from the tree of knowledge. The creator sent him, Raziel, to help him. Raziel provided Adam with information, including how to speak and the power thoughts can have. He describes the laws of nature and of the planets of life on earth and of life among the stars. In heaven, Raziel stands close to the Creator's throne. Next, we have Archangel Zaphkiel. It's T-Z-A-P-H-K-I-E-L, which means knowledge of God. This is the angel of compassionate understanding who leads the angels who send the spiritual energy of understanding to people and help people, excuse me, helps people learn more about the Creator. It represents the feminine aspects of creation, emanating unconditional love, forgiveness, excuse me, forgiveness, non-judgment, and compassion. Next, we have the Archangel Zadkiel, which means righteousness or justice of God. Archangel Zadkiel is the angel of mercy who sends the energy of the Creator's mercy throughout the universe. That involves inspiring people to be kind to others and giving people peace when they pray, so they can be confident that the Creator will answer their prayers according to what's truly best. Zadkiel was said to be the angel who prevented Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac. Zadkiel brings joy, benevolence, justice, liberation, and freedom, as well as the ability to perceive many things at the same time. This angel helps in matters of prosperity and money. Now, see, we're learning the inter, 
the deeper levels of what goes on in our life. You know, what we just see, taste, touch, hear, feel, doesn't even scratch the surface of the infinite levels of reality and creation. That, you know, here when we're praying, you know, when we get this feeling, overwhelming feeling that things are going to be okay, that's Archangel Zadkiel, or one of their representatives, touching us and letting us know that, you know, our prayers are reaching the Creator, um, and that's everything is going to be okay. I mean, that's just to me, it is it's off the charts. This is, and again, I know this can sound like stick in the mud information, like worthless, but it, to me, it's just very, very fascinating, and I couldn't wait to share it with all of you. Okay, next we have Archangel Chamuel. Uh, spelled C-H-A-M-U-E-L, or Chamuel, also pronounced as Samuel, Camuel. Um, yeah, many different types of Camuel. And this means he who sees God is the angel of peaceful relationships and strengthens relationships so people can experience peace. Chamuel tests people's beliefs and motivations. Um, this angel helps in all matters of the heart and assists with all mental activities, bringing concentration. Shemuel also helps with the healing of family relationships and helps find missing items. The next is Archangel Raphael, God who heals, is what Raphael means. It means uh, this angel balances and makes whole humanity and animals. They warn of danger and encourage devotion to causes. Raphael inspires musicians, singers, and composers. Some Kabbalah scholars place Raphael in the Hud, H-O-D. Raphael is one of the three angels who appeared to Abraham in the Oak Grove of Mamre in the region of Hebron. He is one of the five angels who keep watch over both the celestial and terrestrial worlds. Next is Archangel Haniel, H-A-N-I-E-L, also pronounced Hagiel or Aniel. That means glory of the grace of God, expresses the Creator's eternal energy for helping people rely on the Creator rather than on their changing emotions. This angel enlightens people with insights that can bring them joy in any circumstances. Haniel helps to enhance psychic powers and how to use crystals and natural healing remedies. This angel brings together friends and lovers and then supports them in their relationships. Next, we have everybody's most well-known and a lot of people's favorite, Archangel Michael, which means he who is like God brings expansion, leadership, courage, protection, faith, power, and strength, cutting away what is discordant, unwanted, or no longer needed using his sword. Michael is the creator's top angel. Some Kabbalah scholars place Michael in the Teferet. A legend has it that Michael was the chief of a band of angels who questions God's decisions to create man on earth. The entire band of angels, except for Michael, was then consumed by fire. Woo, talk about a hot foot. <laughs> and next we have Archangel Gabriel, strength of God, bringer of light, is the angel of revelation and master communicator. This angel connects people to the Creator through messages of faith. 
Gabriel brings mercy, love, hope, comfort, calmness, gentleness, empathy, forgiveness, and strength. They are the angel of fertility and reproduction and assist mothers and mothers-to-be. This angel helps artists and writers as well. And last, but certainly not least, on the Archangel list is Archangel Sandalphon. It's S-A-N-D-A-L-P-H-O-N, which means brother or approacher. Sandalphon is the angel of music and prayer and sends messages back and forth between the Creator and human beings in God's kingdom. Sandalphon's efforts are designed to keep the divine energy flowing freely. Sandalphon weaves garlands out of humans' prayers and sends them to heaven, where Metatron receives them and gives them to the Creator. So that, my dear brothers and sisters, I guess that's how the mail operates <laughs> between us and heaven. When we send prayers, that's, that's I guess, the USPS, FedEx, UPS way of DHL way <laughs> the angels deal with it. Okay, so that is the angels in their categories. Next, we move to demons. A demon is an evil spirit in English. However, the line had not used to be so clearly drawn. There can be good demons and there can be angels who do evil. How many of you all knew that? Often, their status relies on whether they oppose the creator or not. In the past, the notion of a demon was of being less powerful than a god and less endowed with individuality. According to Jewish belief, the demons were created on the sixth day of creation in the afternoon. The creator had made their souls, and given them their intelligence and power, but ran out of time before the Sabbath, and so the demons were not completed. Because of their unfinished state, they became resentful and jealous of humanity. Demons might look like a normal person, but traditionally have <laughs> chicken feet <laughs> or the legs of a goat. And I know some of you might be listening and saying, well, you know, that's Jewish. Good for them. Good for the Jews. But I'm a Christian. Remember, folks, Jesus was a Jew, and a, an enormous amount of Christianity, enormous amount, comes from the Jewish faith. So these demons are earthly demons. Others are rebellious angels, or, as in the case of Lilith, primordial humans who disobeyed the divine plan. They are all instances of life energy gone awry, or being misappropriated. Now, I have a theory on Lilith and a belief on Lilith that is contrary uh, to all of this. And if they don't mention her again in this article, I will make a note of it. But yeah, I'll end up, be, end up doing a show on Lilith exclusively. The role of demons in our world is to frighten the person or damage them, particularly mentally a demon may simply be an evil spirit without a corporal form. According to the Zohar, there are three main types of demons. Those who are similar to angels, those resembling humans, and those who pay no respect to the creator and are like animals. Demons resemble angels in that they fly 
and have no permanent physical form. They resemble humans in that they eat, reproduce, and die. Demons can have sex with humans, who may give birth to new demons, as demons don't have real bodies that cast shadows. Such propagation human occurs in dreams, so that's how they procreate, is in dreams with humans, and the birth takes place through the imagination. Some demons are formed whenever a man improperly spills his seed. Demons can be overpowered by humans, and those who know how to capture their power can put demons into service. King Solomon had a magic ring called the Seal of Solomon, for those of you who don't know, which gave him power over all demons given to him by the archangel Michael. He used this to capture Asmodeus, king of the demons. In the same way, as each sephira on the tree of life is associated with an angel, the sephirot's twins on the tree of death are associated with the klipat that can be represented as demons. There are many alternative lists to the one given below, which we're going to be covering here. So just again saying, for every positive, there is a negative. So if you're familiar with both, you know how to navigate through both. So when one's presenting itself, you know how to act, react. When the other one is presenting itself, you know how to act and react. So next we're getting into the groups of demons. The Thamiel, T-H-A-M-I-E-L, are represented by two giant heads with bat-like wings. The ruler of the Thamiel is Satan. Satan was the chief of the angels, but after the creator created humanity, Satan and his angels refused to bow down before Adam. In other words, he insisted on the sole right of pure spirit and transcendence and refused to allow pure spirit to find completion and self-realization through the act of emanation and creation. Satan, therefore, represents spiritual pride and arrogance. Okay, so we see what the representations are of these. See, again, because it's, it's getting into, um, you know, explaining these things in, in you know, mythological type of um, ways, like the Bible does as well. So in this case, this type of... Um, Demon or this group of demons represents spiritual pride and arrogance. So if we're overcome with spiritual pride and overcome with arrogance, we can say that, you know, that's Samuel and, you know, that's that group of uh, demons that's causing havoc on us or helping us to believe what we're, our ego is pushing. So the next group is Gagiel, C-H-A-I-G-I-D-E-L which is confusion of the power of God. So Chagdiel or Gagdiel uh, is the name of the corresponding or Klippa corresponding to Shakma. They are demons, the hinderers described as black evil giants with serpents entwined around them. And they are attached to lying and material appearance in opposition to those of reality in Wisdom. So again, metaphorically, this is what they are supposed to look like. But in reality, what that they represent is lying and material appearance, being possessed by 
you know, wanting to have the best and look the best and better than everybody else. The next grouping is the Sathriel. Excuse me, I just need to back that up. Um, the person that rules the Gagil is Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, is associated with the Gagil. So again, now next, the next group is the Sathriel, S-H-S-S-A-T-H-A-R-I-E-L, which means concealment of God. They take outer form of the order of Shariel, which are hairy ones of God. The form of the demons attached to the clippa are black-veiled heads with horns, with hideous eyes seen through the veil, followed by evil centaurs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Sathriel is described in the Book of Enoch as the 17th watcher of the 20 leaders of 200 fallen angels. This demonic order has been described as a black labyrinth of chaotic riddles. With lucifuge reigns. Lucifuge means one who flees light, which may be an alternative name for Lucifer, the light bearer. Bearer, excuse me, after his fall. Again, folks, these these are metaphors, you know, and we just have to remember that you know these are the things. What they represent is the core. Next, we have Agash Kalat which is spelled G-A-M-C-H-I-C-O-T-H, which means devourers. They seek to waste the substance and thought of creation. They are called the disturbers or breakers in pieces and are depicted in traditional lore as giants with the heads of cats. <laughs> Goodness. Um, Astaroth, the great duke of hell, is associated with the... Um, Agus, excuse me, Agshaklot. Um, he is a male figure most likely named after the Mesopotamian goddess Ishtar. Now, see, this is where, you know, we're getting information from other sources, other faiths. And faiths do that. They borrow and take from other faiths to make their faith. So next is uh, Golachab. G-O-L-A-C-H-A-B, which means burning bodies, are depicted as having enormous black heads like a volcano in an eruption. Oh, my. These demons burn to do destruction and enforce their will upon others through strength. Osmodeus, the destroying god, or Samuel, the black, are associated with the Golachab. Osmodeus is often called king of demons, and is said to ascend to heaven to study the Torah. There are many stories concerning him getting the better of King Solomon. Remember, King Solomon had that ring with the seal of Solomon where he commanded uh, demons and jinn, and, uh, which are also known as genies. Um, Asmodeus married Agrith, the queen of the demons, and they are attended by tens of thousands of other demons. Next is the Thagoran, which are disputers, also known as painful movers. Those who below grief and tears are great black giants who are always working against each other. They build ugliness and groan about it. Belphegor, Lord of the Dead, is associated with the Thagrian. 
Next is the Harab Serapel, or ravens of the burning of God, or the ravens of death who reject even their own. Wow. So they're not, uh, not particular about that. Samael, the desolation of God, or the left hand, represents the barren desolation of a fallen and failed creation, also known as venom of God or blindness of God. He is the accuser, seducer, and destroyer, and has been regarded as both good and evil. Very interesting. He is considered in the Talmudic or Talmudic text to be a member of the heavenly host with grim and destructive duties. One of Samael's greatest roles in Jewish lore is that of a main archangel of death. He remains one of God's servants, even though he condones the sins of man. Now, a lot of people might be having a hard time wrapping their heads around that. But again, remember, these, these are metaphors. These are analogies, you know, analogous. Um, so, again, you know, kind of people who are in that middle path could be considered to be like Samael. You know, you, you don't see the good, you don't see the bad, or I should say you don't associate with each. You take that non-duality way. Um, it's a very Zen way. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's not bad. It's not dark. Uh, but you can easily see how it could go awry. It could go dark real quick um, and someone lose control over the difference between the dualities of positive and negative. Next is the Gamayel or the polluted of God. They are misshapen and polluted images that produce vile results. They are associated with Lilith. And I'm going to cover more here on Lilith in just a second. And last but certainly not least is the Nahemoth, or whispers. They're responsible for frightening sounds in strange places. They are associated with Nama, or Namas, sister of Lilith. Okay, so that's all of the categories or groupings of the demons. And as we see, again, it's allegorically, it's, um, you know, not to be taken literally. You know, these descriptions of these demons or beings, or even the label demon is not to be taken literally. The attributes of these beings is what we should be looking for, because we all experience these things in every moment of our daily lives. You know, we have that person that cuts us off in traffic and almost causes an accident who we would call a demon, right? Or associate with a demon. And then our anger and rage takes over, which, you know, that's, we could say the demon's influence over the situation, you know, making us react that way, but it's not, we have a choice. Again, remember we have free will. We don't have control over what happens to us, but we have control over how we react. And that's key. That is so very key. So when that person cuts you off in traffic and almost causes an accident, you remain calm, say a prayer for not only them, but yourself and all those around that, you know, it, nothing bad happened and that your guardian angels or 
um, Adonai or the divine, the creator, whatever you want to call that, which is all, was there to help you and take a couple deep breaths and relax and just let it go and stay positive. Okay, so now you see how the positive angels are coming in. You're, you're being fed by their energy. You're being charged by their energy instead of the negative. See, that's, that's all it is, folks, is it's that, I'd say it, but it's that simple. So now on to Lilith. Lilith, unfortunately, gets such a bad rap. I mean, yeah, who doesn't that's a female in the Bible doesn't get a bad rap other than Mary. But then again, look at what happened to her. Look at how, um, you know, males suppressed her. And, you know, anyway, that's a story for a different, a different show. But on to Lilith. Okay, so now we see how this is portraying Lilith, um, you know, the ancient Jewish Bible, the Torah and other scriptures uh, that mention um, Lilith. Of course, the Torah does not, but there's other scriptures that do uh, paint her as being very evil. Some of them uh, refer to her as the spawn of the devil, a daughter of the devil, wife of Satan. Um, and it just goes on and on and on. But here, here is the my view in, in from my studies of what Lilith is okay so when the creator which in um kabbalic terms is known as ein sof created um the first man the first man was adam kadam and that man was androgynous meaning it wasn't a man and it wasn't a woman it just was. So the creator was like, you know, we need, because the creator created Adam Kadam to um, experience itself. Because as the creator, it cannot experience itself because it is literally everything and nothing at the same time. So by creating this image of itself or this being, um, it was able to experience itself. But, or I say, however, that being was quite limited in its experience. It was only it, and it was by itself, and it couldn't um, reproduce. So that is when the creator split Adam Kadam into two. So that's when Adam first man was created and Lilith the first woman was created okay you all with me <laughs> to this point now as the story goes or as one of the stories go the male version or male dominated society's version of what they said happened was that um, Lilith refused to obey Adam and do as he commanded. And she turned on him and she turned on God by leaving Eden. She just up and left. And that's been added on to by saying that by leaving Eden, 
she opposed God, so God cursed her, turning her into some kind of flying reptilian thing with bat wings. And other people say she's a beautiful, seductive woman who who's like a snake and seduces men. And it just goes on and on and on. The, the garbage, literally the garbage. If you study, I mean, really, sincerely, unbiasedly study scriptures, you will find these things out. And it is utterly just garbage. So on the feminine side, what they believe had happened, their take on this story was that, or is, that Adam tried to be dominant over Lilith. Now, since they were split from the same being, they are equals. One is not higher than the other. One is not subservient to the other. However, as the story goes, Adam was being wanted her to be subservient. She refused. Okay, so see those two stories match up to this point. He wanted her to be subservient. She refused. Story goes on now, the, the feminine story goes, that he attempted to rape Lilith because she refused his advances. Because... He's a jerk, to say it very politely. <laughs> so she left, left Eden because she was part of the creator. And her and Adam were half of one whole. She was able to manifest wings and she flew away to start her own life. Again, she is now a co-creator. If anything, even more so being the feminine aspect. But again, we have to keep in mind that the two, one is not superior over the other. However, as we know, males have certain traits that females don't, and females have certain traits that men don't. So those are the allegorical stories or the metaphorical stories or the parables, one could say, uh, of the stories of Lilith and the first created human um, that was androgynous. And um, I mean, again, you guys can research this and you'll see the same thing. Um, but we have to look deeper into this, look into it deeper that, again, the, this is an allegory. This is a, you know, a metaphor. This is a parable. This is not to be taking taken, excuse me, literally. Again, folks, remember, and this is something that's key that so uh, probably 99.9% .9 of the people that study the Bible, even theologians miss, is that the Bible is not meant to be taken literally. It is a roadmap or a journal that is supposed to be something you relate to in your life. And I'll get to that here in a moment. Why do you all think that when Jesus taught, he taught in parables? He taught in story. Just like all of the previous great philosophers of time, forward and backward, and still today, teach by stories, or as we call them or refer to them as myths or mythology these stories. Why do you think they do that? Because you are supposed to read these stories 
and interpret what's going on in the story to what's going on in your life. So with Adam Kadam, how can we relate to that? How does that apply to our everyday lives? People would be scratching their heads, usually saying it doesn't. No, it does. Go backwards. Go backwards. Okay, you've got two, a male and a female. Fuse them back together. And what do you have? One complete whole that is a complete whole from the divine. Each and every living being has a male, a, a, you know, a male side and a female side. And the thing is, is that we are in constant conflict. Again, the Asians and Eastern philosophies, the yin and yang, had it right for thousands of years, is that there's this constant inner battle between us, between the masculine side and the feminine side, our masculine traits and our feminine traits. Everyone, everyone has these. And the thing for us, what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to see through this part of Genesis in the Bible is rewind it. You know, people from other um, faiths, the Japanese read from right to left. In America, we read from left to right in Western civilization. They read from right to left. So for us in the West, it's going backwards. The Jewish do the same with Hebrew. It goes from our modern day Hebrew, because ancient Hebrew doesn't exist anymore. They read from right to left, from the back of the book to the front of the book. My wife does this with magazines or catalogs. She'll start with the back and go to the front. It's innate with her, you know, so it's, that's just saying. So that's what we do. There's your key. When you're reading or studying this passage in Genesis, go backwards. Take the two and make them one. Take the masculine and the feminine within you. That's a big part of our journey in this life. And to unite the two. Make a treaty between the two. Learn to get the two to love each other and work together. Now, I'm not talking split personalities. <laughs> it might seem that way, but I hope you understand what I'm saying here. So if we can do that, if we can go backwards from or go from right to left instead of left to right, we will unite the masculine and feminine in us make ourselves that one, you know, androgynous being spiritually and mentally, um, the Adam Kadam, which means what? We will be closer and more united to the creator, to the divine, to Adonai, to the universe, to whatever you want to label, that which has no labels. It's literally beyond labels. That's why uh, the uh, Kabbalists refer to the creator as Ein Sof. So, and, and they rarely speak it because we're not supposed to be using the word God. We're not supposed to be using that name because it's sacred, which we'll get into in a future show about the many names 
of the creator. But anyway, I just wanted to share um, the different stories on Lilith. And, you know, maybe we'll do a story uh, or show sometime down the road on Lilith and get really into the meat and potatoes of it. But I, knowing what we know now or knowing what I have just shared with you all now, it's kind of fruitless to do that. But if you would like to show, let me know. I'd be more than happy to do that. This week's prayer requests and updates are as follows. And I have to say, folks, there are so many. There's so much going on. And I know that for whatever reason bothers some people. And you know what? It bothers me as well. It bothers me that people are suffering. And I so wish and pray that I could just wave my hand and it would all go away. But uh, alas, I don't have that power. None of us do. You know, but the next best thing we can do is pray and pray and pray for these people. So for those of you who listen through the prayer requests and updates each week and pray for these people, infinite thanks blessings, and love. So we begin with Nicholas. He is home. Uh, he's the one that suffers. Uh, he's had several heart transplants and he suffers with rejection. He's home and resting uh, at the moment, and his mom hasn't posted in a bit. So that means good news. You know, he, he's not you know, got anything else going on right now other than uh, being, being a young adult. Uh, next is Haley, who we've been talking about, who has stage four terminal ovarian cancer. Um, she and her husband, Taylor, did a video uh, earlier this week, and she is just so, so very tired. And she is upset. She's angry. You know, she says that, you know, all she ever wanted in life was to have a child and have a family. And now that she has that, she is going to lose that, or you know, she feels that she's going to lose that by, you know, losing this life. And you know, we can all, you know, empathize with her, and, and none of us truly know what she's going through unless we've gone through it ourselves. And unfortunately, those who've gone through it are no longer here in the physical realm. But you know, let us pray that those who have have gone. Uh, who have experienced what she's experiencing now are there and the angels are there to help strengthen and help her through the transition from this lifetime to the next. Uh, Maudie is next. She had a heart transplant about eight weeks ago. It's been such a roller coaster ride for Maudie because last week I talked about her. She was, she had such an incredible week. Uh, but this week things tend to crash and, you know, um, she's, not only in rejection, but she's also in um, antibiotic rejection, which means that her body's not responding to the antibiotics that are being provided to help her body with infection. She's been very tired, um, and she also has um, a paralyzed diaphragm on the right side, which affects her breathing. The first doctor said it was no big deal. Now they say it is a big deal. So they're sending her to a pulmonary specialist. So she's supposed to do that next week. Next is Haven's sister, Stephanie. Recently lost um, her husband, Ray, to lung cancer. And she is 
financially struggling greatly um, you know, until the process of things gets switched over to her receiving survivor benefits and things of that nature. And we know that is a, a slow moving train. So let us please keep her and her family in heart, thoughts, and prayers. We got Sarah and Kia. Kia is now celebrating seven months of sobriety. So we are so beyond proud of her and her mom, Sarah, who also uh, is suffers with addictions and she's in recovery as well. And let us please keep them in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Next is Elaine and Bob. Uh, also, as we know, Bob has those uh, basal cells that he has to have uh, some surgery on his back to remove um, that area. Uh, but that's not going to be until June 7th. And I will remind you all more when we get closer to that. Next is Elaine's brother, also my uncle Clyde. Um, he went to the hospital, to the emergency room this week, uh, was not feeling well at all. And he ended up having to have bypass surgery Friday, good Friday. He is recovering now, but um, you know, he's in his upper 70s. So as we know, the older we get, the longer it takes for us to recover and the harder it is for us to recover. So let us please keep him in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. His daughter, Lisa, and son, CJ, as well. More prayers for Lana, Megan, Molly, and Gwen. Um, Lana's firstborn um, granddaughter passed away tragically and unexpectedly this past Monday. Um, it was a big shock to the family. Um, Brianna also has two daughters. Her oldest daughter, Riley, is 12. So let us please keep the girls in our heart, thoughts, and prayers as well as they go on their life journey without their mother. And that is Megan's niece. So they had the celebration of life for Brianna. She's the one that passed away um, this past Good Friday. So let us please keep Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, and Brianna in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Next is James and Linda. Uh, James has Alzheimer's and a lot of heart issues, uh, some of which are his valves leaking, and the doctors don't know if there's anything they can do uh, because of his condition. So please keep him and his wife, Linda, in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Also prayers for Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Brother Ashley and his family, Brother Abel, Mike S. and Kelly, my brother Michael, Sister Tanya, Cheryl, um, Elijah is doing better now that he has a job. Grandmother is doing better. Her name is Janet. His husband, Andrew, they're starting to pull up out of the nosedive and starting to do better. So let's please keep them in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Uh, Father Mike is getting things together and getting life together, but, you know, health-wise, things are still going as they're going. Uh, but he's trying to make the best of things. Also, his husband, Eddie, uh, who is with his mother, Becky, right now, who had a triple bypass and um, valve repair two weeks ago. Uh, she is recovering, so let us please keep all of them 
in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Prayers as well for Emma, Jean, Kathy and Tony, Michael T, Tyra, possibly has cancer. She's still going through testing and things of that nature. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers that this is not cancer. Uh, next is Jan, who has heart arrhythmia, and she is getting help for that. And Courtney Moore, who we spoke about last week, who has a very complex congenital heart defect. And she's had several, seven open heart surgeries and more medical um, surgeries and things of that nature for the heart. Um, she's currently awaiting for assistance to get to Duke uh, Hospital and She's currently being treated to get the heart pressure down. So if that gets down, then she will be able to um, be put on a transplant list. So her community has rallied around her and raised a lot of funds to help her and her family be able to afford the treatment, to be able to afford to live. That's the thing people don't realize is, when you're going through things like this with your health, you know, you can't work. Family members can't work because you have to have somebody to take care of you. So therefore, all of your financial things and bills and mortgages and rents fall to the wayside. And unfortunately, we live in a society that's not empathetic to that. They will, they have no problem throwing you out in the street in such conditions. So infinite thanks, blessings, and love to her community and all those who are donating and have donated to uh, help Courtney and her family to be able to continue treatment and to continue a way of life where she can be as comfortable as possible while she goes through this and not have to worry about things. So again, thank you all for getting through these prayers. Um, we will have our closing blessing here in just a moment. If you are in need of prayers, please don't hesitate to contact me. My contact information is at the end of the show, at the end of every show. I'd be more than happy to pray for you. I love to pray, and those who listen to the show love to pray. So let us pray for you. And with just going through that very long list of people in need of prayers and the updates, and we just spoke about angels, I could think of no better a prayer than a prayer to the Archangel Raphael, who is, as we just learned, uh, a great angel of healing. And this is a Roman Catholic prayer, so please feel free to adapt it to your faith however you wish. Glorious Archangel Raphael, great prince of heavenly court, you are illustrious for your gifts of wisdom and grace. You are a guide of those who journey by land or sea or air, consoler of the afflicted, refuge of sinners. I beg you to assist us in all our needs, in all our sufferings of this life. As once you helped the young Tobias on his travels, because you are the medicine of God, we humbly pray you to heal the many infirmities of our souls and the ills that afflict our bodies. We especially ask for your favor 
Here's where you would insert your intentions, which I'll pause. In the great grace of purity to prepare us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And for those of you who have made it this far, bless you for that. Uh, a small gift. Well, I don't know if you can call it a gift or not, but uh, we have a Faith and More Cafe this coming Wednesday. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for here and more with us. Please feel free to stop by anytime, all the time. You are family. If this show has helped you, please, please, please share it with as many people as possible. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever format you listen to. That helps move the show up in those formats so when someone does a general search, they're more likely to find the show. And if the show has really helped you and you have the means, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show, as well as the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through the Cash App. The show's cash tag is dollar sign Faith and More, or you can find us at cash.app forward slash dollar sign Faith and More. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. It's a fun place, folks. You can watch videos of weekly Ask Angel questions where people write me and ask me questions and I respond uh, on YouTube. You can also watch me do bi-weekly sermons and homilies. Also, audio of our shows are uploaded to YouTube where you can listen and much, much more. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at Faith and More podcast. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our Faith and More family love to pray. So let us pray for you. There are two ways to do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second way is through our website. There is a form at the bottom of the website and the website address is faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com forward slash my dash site. And there are always links to all of these things in the show notes for and description for each show. So until next time, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. Bless you. <music>